0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. West Gun, Mascara's, guys know sports these guys know and welcome to wise guys these guys know sports on this monday august the 10th on the wise guys show on the worldwide sports network another day with the wise guys crew myself and Mr. Clarence Nixon. What's up, Clarence? Co-host? Hey. Yeah, what's going on, man? Happy fr- happy Monday to you, man. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you as well. Everybody, remember, go and follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at Guys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow us on Wise Guys at These Guys know Sports on Instagram. How was your weekend, bro? What, what'd you do? Tell me something, something special. Did anything happen this weekend that you want to share with us <sighs> and our viewers? Man, I missed a big party at my mama's house, man. Like everybody came over her house, like the whole family came over on Saturday. And what I was doing on Saturday, I was just in the house resting, watching movies with the girlfriend and the kids. So I've just been chilling. But I missed a big party. But more than likely, I've just been chilling, you know, spending time with the family, you know, you know, getting ready for our big trip this weekend. Going to Where Kentucky going? Kingdom. We're Where going to Kentucky Kingdom, man. Oh, that'll be a blast. That'll be a blast. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting ready for it this weekend, man. So I'm going to be pumped up all week, man. That's what's up, man. Definitely. I, I, I had a pretty good weekend. I just kind of relaxed and I watched a lot of basketball. A lot of basketball over the weekend, Clarence. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched a lot of basketball. You know, I, I just kind of relaxed and, you know, chilled out, man. My, my, my Trey Murray, he was out in, in Gatlinburg, so he had a, he had a ball. You know, he had a nice oh, okay. time on a little family All vacation. So, right. so, Dad had some time just to chill out and rest, man. But listen, we got an action jam-packed show. We're going to talk about nice. Luka, Don- Luka Doncic versus the Greek Freak on Saturday night. That was a big-time matchup in the bubble that took place. Also, Amari Cooper, he says the Dallas Cowboys, they didn't expect Clarence to have three 1,000-yard receivers this year. We'll talk about whether or not we believe it can possibly happen. Also, later on the show, we're going to talk about the Sixers. As yesterday, Joel B left the game against the Portland Trail Blazers with an ankle injury. It's already been reported that Ben Simmons has had surgery, so he's already left the bubble. So, we'll talk about the Sixers as well later on the show. Also, maybe not – it may not be no college football this year. So, that's, that's something else we're going to talk about as well. But we began in the bubble in Orlando, in the NBA, as the Portland Trail Blazers beat the Philadelphia 76ers 124-121. to Yesterday evening, Dame Dollar dropped fifty-one points, seven assists. Melo added twenty-seven rebounds. Josh Richardson had a great game: thirty-four points, five rebounds, six assists. So, my question for you is, Clarence, as we begin the show, what was your reaction to Dame Dollar dropping fifty-one on the Sixers? Well, what can I say again? Dame Dollar delivered again in the in the late. If you've been watching, that that was watching that whole game, man. He was just on fire. Like he was like the lead impact of that team. Like this was another great performance that he had. he had. What he had 45 before this performance, man. Man, Dane Dollar is on a mission, man. He's been on, he's been on fire in this bubble, and they're really pushing to make a playoff push. Them and the Portland Trailblazers, and that's they're making some big noise. I'm not even gonna lie. Like Dane, he's making some big noise. Like and I'm, I'm I'm excited to watch see what he to do again tomorrow. Yes, but this performance for me, Clarence, was Dame redeeming himself because Saturday <laughs> afternoon, as I sat here at my at my at my at my at my house and I had my feet up, I was kicking it because I had to work Saturday night. So I had an well, off yeah. day where I could just watch my basketball and really, really have some nice takeaways and evaluate the game. I watched a meltdown that took place with Damian Lillard and the Portland yeah. Trail Blazers Saturday afternoon in the bubble against an L.A. Clippers team that did everything they could to hand Damian Lillard and the Portland Trail Blazers a victory. Make no mistake about it. Doc Rivers and the Clippers, they want Portland to be the MC because they want Portland to push the Lakers in the first round, the distance, in the first round of the playoffs. That way, LeBron will be expanding unnecessary energy, and he may have less to offer as the playoffs go along once they get later to the later rounds as well. So I think Damian redeemed himself yesterday with that 51-point performance because he knew he let his team down. And in a post-game press conference, that was one of the main things that he said. He said, I let my team down. I know I have to do better, and I will do better in this situation when it presents itself again. And that's what he did on Sunday evening against the Philadelphia 76ers team without Ben Simmons, without Joel Embiid. It would have been a travesty if the Portland Trailblazers would have lost to the Sixers yesterday without Joel B and Ben Simmons. You have to win that game. You already choked against the L.A. Clippers C-team. It was a C-team out there, Clarence. Listen, I was watching the game. Doc Rivers sat Paul George with a little over seven minutes left in the game. And Paul George, he was perplexed like the rest of us, wondering, uh, do we even want to win the game? And the Portland Trailblazers still couldn't close that deal. I was so disappointed in Dame and Melo and CJ for not being able to close the deal yeah. against the LA Clippers team without Paul George, without Patrick Beverly, without Kawhi Leonard. But they redeemed themselves yesterday with a much needed win over the Philadelphia 76ers. I yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. And before I get into that, man, I wanna be I wanted to say this. I am so happy that that we see a lot of NBA trash talking in the NBA. Like I'm seeing that I love that da- I, I love what Damian Lillard and Paul George are going back and back on Twitter. Like that's what we need. That's like that's what makes the NBA more exciting. Like you see other teammates talking trash to another teammate. I mean not another teammate, but like another a player on another team. Like you see it all the interactions to each other, you seeing them like really talk talk trash to each other because one of them they wants to win it. And now and now what Damian Lillard stated that Paul George jumped from team to team. He he don't he can't take the grind. That was that was something personal right there. I, I would have taken that personally, though, know, because I'm like, first of all, it's a business is an NBA. And I get what you said, Daniel, but at the same time, business is business. But then he, he kept it 100 and humble. Like, you can't respect, you can't, don't, you don't know what it, basically, basically saying you don't have what it takes to grind on one team. So that was kind of like a big shade. But for, for Daniel Leonard performing like this, I think... If he keep performing like this, the, uh, the Portland Trailblazers is, is, is like oh, it's going to make the playoffs. I have them making yeah. that seed because the, the Grizzlies, they lost Jared Jackson, and they, been, they lost their four straight games, the first four games, so that was big. But I definitely see the Portland Trailblazers making that 8 seed, though. Yeah, yeah. because when, when, when you look at the game yesterday, going up against the Philadelphia 76ers, Josh Richardson, he couldn't miss. He shot six yeah. of from three from three-point range. So he kept the Sixers in the game with this perimeter shooting. And I think it was like a little over three minutes left in that game. The Sixers had a six-point lead. Dame Dollar said yesterday, not again. Not on my watch. And that's when he came through for the Portland Trail Blazers. He had a dunk where he cut to the basket. Nurkic hit him down low in the paint. Nice cut to the basket. Dunked the basketball. Then he comes back on the assuming possession. And Josh Richardson, I believe, fouls him on a three-point shot. Dame Dollar hit the shot four-point play, you win the game. Yeah. Dave Dollar made the plays necessary when he had to for his team, and he put his team on his back yesterday against the Philadelphia 76ers team that didn't even have either of his co-stars. You have to win that game, and he redeemed himself from that meltdown that took place Saturday afternoon because I was disappointed, Clarence. I was yeah. so deflated. I was so deflated because I'm like, I compared Damian Lillard to Steph Curry, and I'm thinking, Steph Curry? He ain't missing two free throws in a clutch moment down the stretch. Not at the free throw strike. He had a chance to ice the, the LA Clippers and put them in a position where they got to get a bucket from unproven players. No Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard, and he missed two free throws. It was a complete choke yeah. job. It was a complete choke job. And I don't blame Patrick Beverly and Morris and Paul George for laughing on the sideline seeing Dane miss those free throws. Why? Because they thought what we thought. He's going to make these two free throws and and, and and be up at least one and, and ha- force us to have to go to one of our unproven guys to make a bucket in the clutch moment. And he missed both free throws. He missed both. But he redeemed them yeah. yesterday with 51 points. But about the Dame Lillard and Paul George beef, Paul George needs to be careful. And I'm going to tell you why. Paul George ain't been out the first round since 2014, Clarence. Paul George needs to shut the hell up. <laughs> and worry about being a second star for Kawhi Leonard when the Clippers embark on this playoff run they about to go on. He need to worry <laughs> about being able to hit these big-time shots. I know Kawhi going to deliver. I believe in Lou Williams as well off the bench. I have my questions about Paul George. I'm a Paul George fan. I think Paul George is one of the best two-way players we have in the NBA. But, Paul George, you ain't been out the first round since 2014, buddy. You need to get together and perform. <laughs> for your Don't worry no. about Dame Dollar in Portland. Because you got more pressure on you than he has on him. <laughs> because he got his team in the position to make the playoffs. <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey, Paul George, I feel like he's gonna finally break that streak of getting out the playoffs. And that's more likely gonna happen this year. So I want, we already know your answer. Do you believe the Portland Blaze Trailer is gonna make the playoffs? Yes, I think the Portland Blazers make the playoffs. They have to play Luca and the Dallas Mavericks tomorrow which will be a tough matchup but I'm not that's sure that's a big it's big but I'm not sure if Rick Carlisle's gonna play Luca because they are already pretty much locked into the seventh seed. I think they might be a game and a half behind Utah for the sixth seed but I think the Dallas Mavericks are they know they're gonna be a seventh seed they know they're gonna be playing the LA Clippers in the first round so Rick Carlisle may sit Luca because Luca played a lot of minutes in the yeah. matchup the other night against Giannis so he may rest he may rest Luca and Porzingis in these final two regular season games but I think they'll beat the Dallas Mavericks because I don't think Dallas will even, you know, try to necessarily win the game. And then they got the Nets in the season finale. I think they'll take care of business against the Nets and they'll position themselves to have a play-in game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. And I think the Portland Trailblazers would be the favorites in a matchup against John Moran and Grizzlies, me personally. Yeah, they already beat them in the beginning of the season, beginning of this bubble. So we're gonna yeah. expect we're gonna expect Portland to at least make that HC. Everybody, please go follow Wise Guys on Facebook, Wise Guys, and Instagram. These guys know sports. And Twitter, Wise Guys underscore eight, and also don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube page at Wise guy as we are here live on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. One more thing, Clarence, real quick. The yeah. the, the, Gri- the Grizzlies, I believe they have the the Bucks in a season finale, and then tomorrow they play. I can't think of who they play tomorrow. I can't think of. I think who they. Play they- they play another big time team tomorrow. It's not going to be an easy matchup for them. So they could they could lose their because you know the way the, the playing game is. You could the basically and the ninth. yeah, it's the if, the, if the, the ninth seed has to beat the eighth seed two times. You have to beat them once to to have another chance on the following day. To <laughs> so if the Portland Trailblazers take care of business and they win these final two games, they could position themselves to where they only have to beat Memphis once. You see what, yeah. what I'm saying? Right yeah, now, like right now, right now, they got to beat Memphis twice. But if they keep winning and, and Memphis slip up and lose a game, then they only got to beat them once. But let's not forget one more team because they won today. Devin Booker has been putting on a clinic. The Phoenix Suns, they are undefeated in the bubble right now. They're the only team left that's undefeated. Devin Booker Six and oh. Devin Booker is a superstar. I'm saying it right now. He is a superstar. And by the way, the NBA should be, they, should, they, they, they are ridiculous for finding Draymond Green. You know they find Draymond Green for his comment saying that Devin Booker should want out of Phoenix. The NBA find him saying it was tampering. G- give me a break. Like that's not tampering. Like come on. The, the, the NBA should be should be ashamed of themselves. Believe man. it. Believe it or not, though. Before we go to the next topic, I honestly believe if Memphis probably lose tomorrow, it's a slightly chance that you can see Portland bump it going to the eighth and they being the ninth. because honestly the Portland Trailblazers is a half a game behind the Grizzlies, and the Suns is one game behind the Grizzlies, so it's getting very interesting in this bubble trade, but we going to have to tune in and see what's going on from there, but we got to move on, brother. Man, we finally wanted to discuss this, man. You know, uh, former former uh, Panther and um uh, Patriot Kyle Love stated that Cam Newton probably won't take Bill Belichick criticism, so tell me, what's your personal reaction to that? Um, I I can understand where he's coming from. And I and I get it because he's played for the Patriots. He's also played with the Panthers. So he has some experience with Cam Newton. He has some experience with Bill Belichick. So I can understand where, where Kyle Love is coming from. Let me just read you this quote.
1: Yeah. Specific,
0: specifically so we can our viewers know what Kyle Love actually said. He said, quote, I don't feel like Cam can take the pressure of coaches talking down about his play. If he had a bad game in Carolina, the coaching staff wouldn't say much to him because they would have felt he could have be a little bit frail about it or maybe pout. They never really corrected to the point Bill used to correct Tom. That was Kyle Love out of the Boston Herald. So I guess what he's basically saying is he's talking about the, the, like, you know how Bill Belichick, he pretty much criticized Tom Brady the same way he criticized the 54th man on the roster. He didn't right. hold anything back because you are the star quarterback and because you run us six Super Bowl rings, you get criticized just like the practice squad player gets criticized. That's pretty much what Kyle Love is saying here. He's basically saying that the way Bill Belichick treated Tom Brady, he treated him the same as he treated everyone else in the organization. And he's saying that he don't believe that Cam Newt- Newton will be able to handle that criticism. And I disagree with Kyle Love. And I'm gonna tell you why. Cam signed up for this. Cam knows that he is in a position now where he's not going to get more opportunities if he doesn't play well in New England. He's not going to get many more because people are going to start giving up on Cam. He's going to get up more. He's going to get older in age. And people are going to say he can't stay healthy and so forth. I think Cam knows what he's signing up for playing in New England. And I think he wants to play for a coach like Bill Belichick who can put together a system that can help Cam flourish on a football field. I think this is what Cam wants, to be quite frank. I don't think Cam would want to go to a dysfunctional organization like your Bengals. Yeah, I said it. Or or like or like the like the like the Cardinals who haven't won anything. I don't think he would want to, or the Detroit Lions. I think he wants to be in a situation where there's structure, where we know who the man is, and that's Bill Belichick. I think Cam actually wants to be in a situation like he's in right now with the New England Patriots. I wouldn't say that he won't be able to handle the criticism from Bill Belichick. I think it's something that Cam Noon honestly will embrace. Definitely. I like, like the response, Trey. I love the response. And let me say this real quick. I feel like, remember with the uh, the Felser dude, the uh, the Felser, uh, what's his name, the podcast from Boston? Remember yeah. his comments saying like, Cam Newton can't showbo, and he should not be bringing that to New England because they're a winning culture. And now you got Kyle Love saying Cam Newton might not take his criticism. Like I just feel like these type of people are being or overreacted and not letting Cam Newton be Cam Newton. Like in my yes. in my opinion, Cam Newton is a he's full to go. He's full to go for pads. He's full participant. He's been working out, and believe it or not, he's probably one of the most humblest guys in the NFL. And he's he's a very, like Josh McDaniels stated, he's a very smart, smart NFL player. He knows the end is ends out in the NFL and at football. So I, I just believe everybody is overreacting because it's Cam Newton, because they see the shell bow, of the Superman, and they always think that that might be a problem. How that's going to be a problem, and that's his, that's his personality. That's who he are. And I think people yeah. are overreacting what he brings to the table. Look, Cam Newton is healthy. He wants to play football. And he wants to show, he wanna show everyone that he still got it, that he's still an elite, elite quarterback in this in, a, in the NFL. So I just think all everybody is overreacting. They saying all these say so, he say, she say, whatever. they not, they're not even letting this man get on the field yet, team, and show what he's, what he's capable of. So yes. I think I think a lot of people is overreacting about Cam Newton. This guy is the most humblest player and probably in the NFL. He wants to play football. And matter of fact, and believe it or not, he's definitely taking all these criticism as motivation. Yeah. And the thing is, you never know. Bill Belichick, he may embrace Cam Newton and his big personality. Like everybody has yeah. this, everybody has this belief that Bill Belichick isn't going to allow Cam Newton to be himself. How do you know that maybe Bill Belichick knows what we know and he knows at this point, I don't have Tom Brady anymore. So now I have to to adapt because when Bill Belichick was winning Super Bowls with Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady got some credit, Bill Belichick got some credit. So now everybody wants to know, was it more about Bill Belichick or was it more about Tom Brady? So if if Cam Newton has some success in New England this year, any kind of success that he has and the team has some success in the playoffs, Bill Belichick will get all of that credit. And people will say, oh, when Tom Brady was in New England, that was Bill Belichick. He was part of the reason why the Patriots had success, more so than Tom Brady. So Bill Belichick also has pressure on him, Clarence. He has pressure yeah. on him because he has to prove it wasn't all about Tom Brady. But and also, like I said, I think he knows in order to get the best that you're going to get from Cam Newton, you got to let Cam Newton be himself and, and, and have that big personality on and off the field. And I feel like if you let him be himself on the field and he can do a superman celebration, I think you're gonna get and, better results from Cam. And, and I think it's gonna be bad, better best for everybody. The Patriots organization, Bill Belichick, and Cam. And one more thing though too though, Trey, the thing, the thing is they brought in Randy Moss that was that was a very talkative receiver in the NFL that was that was humble and that he's a hard, a tough competitor. And they brought in Antonio Brown that was just that's crazy, not crazy, but you know, he had his, his problems in the past, and they will still like maneuver around that because he was a talented football player. But the point I'm basically trying to say is that before you start criticizing someone, let them show what they got on the football field, man. And actually listen to what they're what they say and watch them. And don't just don't just eat them up with so much. Criticism to make them think that they go follow him, they're not. Like I think Cam Lewin is in in great shape. He's in great shape. But he's ready to play football. He's ready to prove everyone that, that he's still back. He's still a lead quarterback. And uh, that's that's more about it. But do you believe now, now I did want to ask you this. Now you know the Patriots got the most players that's opt out the season. And and later to, and earlier today, they signed the running back Lamar Miller. Do you still believe the Patriots are favored to win the AFC East? Like, come on, you still got the, you still got them. Um, I, I, I'm gonna be honest, Clarence. I'm a little worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm worried. I, I, I was, I was, but I am worried at this point because they got so many players that have opted out. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, it's it's a lot of players that opted out for them, and so I'm not so sure if they're gonna be able to stay atop the AFC East. And also, I want to say too, we have to. We have to trick, like, basically, we have to take down our expectations for Cam Newton, because he's playing with a roster that now isn't very good. I mean, they got players that have opted out that are legitimate players on this team, like, especially on defense. Hightower, you, you know, you know, what I, you know what I mean? I think Patrick Chung, didn't he? he opted out yeah. As well? yeah, I mean, they got players on their team that are key players to their success. I think we need to to really evaluate our expectations for cam newton this season i think now yeah. that these players have opted out i think our expectations for cam should go down and whatever production that cam gives us would be extra because now you have to overcome the odds and try to position the new England patriots to be at the top yeah. of the nc east so if cam can pull this off cam is officially back. I think, but one, but one for sure, though, I think New England's still gonna have some late signings before the season started because, you know, New England, they always pull us something out the hat. So that's, that's something that we gotta keep in mind and maybe keep a track on, man, because they definitely lost a lot of key players on offense and defense. I mean, they lost one of their best linemen, Marcus Cannon, and that is gonna play a role in, in their offense. Hey, so that is something that we gotta keep an eye on right there, Trey. Definitely. Yeah, because you you don't even have the Patriots win. You didn't have them. The Patriots win the AFC East before all these hey. players opted out, did you? Nah, I had I had Buffalo win. I got Buffalo coming out the AFC East. They, man, they trying to get their first woo, AFC East division title since 1995. Ooh, So 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 right now, if you had to rank the teams in the AFC East, who who would, what would be your projections for next year? Who, from from first to worst, who you got in the AFC East? Believe it or not, man. Believe it. Believe it or not, I still, I still got it the same way, but it's a little different. I got Buffalo with one, New England number two, Dolphins number three, and four number Jets. I think the Jets are about to struggle, they probably the most out of that division because they lost, they lost they, one of their best players on defense, and CJ Motes decided to opt out the contract. I think they about to struggle, man. They about to get, they about to get hit. Miami, if Tua is healthy and he's starting, and they're winning, and all their signings pay off, they might have a legitimate chance. But the Patriots is safe like behind behind, like the Buffalo Bills. I, I definitely got Buffalo coming out the AFC East, man. What about, okay, you? What I, about you? I still got the Patriots winning the AFC East, but I am getting worried. I am getting worried. And damn it, I can change my pick at any moment if I want to, Clarence. I can change it. <laughs> I, I will. But some of these players... Yeah. These notable players that opted out, linebacker, Dante Hightower, safety Pat, Patrick Chung, offensive, offensive tackle, Marcus Cannon. They have some key players on their team that have opted out. So we really, really got to reevaluate our expectations for Cam, because yeah. Cam isn't, isn't working with very much now. He isn't working with yeah. very much. And I had an issue last year with Bill Belichick and the Patriots organization, because they didn't even surround Tom Brady with any legitimate weapons on the offensive side of the ball, this yeah. year they don't. Need, they still don't have any legitimate weapons. They got Julian Edelman. That's about it. That's about hey, it. Yeah. Like I mean, who <laughs> uh, 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 Nikhil Harry? Party? They got Nikkeel, a lot of young players. Yeah, a lot of young players, but Nikhil Harry isn't ready. He isn't ready just yet. I mean, he was but, injured most majority of his rookie season. This is his time to be the number one receiver, Trey. Like, like real realistically, like he is yeah. projected. He is projected to be the number one. Yeah. Let's get, let's get back to the NBA bubble. At Saturday night, Saturday night, Luca versus Giannis was a great matchup in the bubble. The Dallas Mavericks beat the Milwaukee Bucks in double overtime, 136 to 132. Luca finished with 36 points, 19 assists, 14 rebounds. Porzingis added 26 (sighs) points, 11 rebounds. The Greek Freak had 34 points, 13 rebounds. Middleton dropped 21, 11 assists, 6 rebounds. So the question here is, Clarence, as we watched a great performance from Giannis and Luca on Saturday night in the bubble, what do you make of Luca's performance individually? He's a bad, bad man, Trey. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That young buck is a bad, bad man. Hey, my dude could have had 20 assists if he wanted to. I mean, his performance throughout this bubble, man, just been insane. Like, it's been crazy. He's been producing day in, day out. Like, he's been the number one option on that team, man. And he's he's been making the team and making the team play better. What you just said, Porzingis had 27 points. Like, yes. he's actually balling. He's actually got everybody balling. And, and, and Tim Hardaway, he had 27 points. He, like, he's got these, these unproven players, like how you stated, they're balling, man. He's got everybody on this, in this map that madness balling. He got them playing better. They ain't even looking better. They're the number one offense in the NBA. The number one offense in the NBA in efficiency and whatever rankings, whatever you got them in. But this, this guy, Luca, he is very special. He's 21 years old, he's doing so much. We got 17 triple doubles up on the season right now. That, that's brilliant, man. That's brilliant. And he's only 21 years old. So this ain't, this ain't yet, this ain't, ain't what we've seen for real, man. Trey, I'm gonna be honest with you. Back-to-back triple-double, man. This guy's scary, man. He might be the best player under 25. One of the, like, probably top two. Yes, Luca is playing great basketball. In this yeah. matchup, what, 36 points? Almost 20 assists? He almost had 20 assists! Like he that was is a lead rebounder. Right? Yes, the lead rebounder, 14 rebounds. His, 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 his plus-minus, he was plus 12. And then also, I want to get some more credit also in this matchup to this kid Dorian Finney-Smith. He dropped 27 points, so he yeah, had he a nice, him. yeah, he had a nice shooting game as well for the Dallas Mavericks. And you know, Porzingis, he's getting his legs back under him, getting back yeah. into a rhythm and playing at that level that he was playing at pre-injury. He had 26 points in this game. He was minus five, you know, while he was on the court in his plus-minus. But in order for the Dallas Mavericks to ultimately reach their goal, and that's getting back in the championship contender conversation, they're going to need Persingas to play at a superstar level. And I think in these few years coming up, Clarence, in the next three or four years, I think this Dallas Mavericks team has a legitimate chance to be legit championship contenders, and they should be in a championship conversation. I really do, because Luca is a superstar. He's a superstar. And when I look at all these young players that we have in the NBA, zion Morant, yeah. you know jason tatum siakam if i'm missing anybody let me know jalen brown devin booker he's on there he's right Man. there too though devin booker too but when i look at all these young players that we have in this league trey young donovan mitchell i gotta be honest i think luca might be the best player that's under 25 he might just be, I've been I've been, I've been, I've been saying Tatum. I've been saying Donovan Mitchell and all due respect to those brothers. Those brothers are elite talents, but what Luca is doing is things that I haven't seen before. He's doing things yeah. that LeBron at his age, wasn't even doing. This guy's averaging triple doubles. Like the numbers that he's putting up is sensational. And there's another thing. It's always, every time I watch Dallas Mavericks, I always get a show. Like when I watch Dallas I see a show like when they went up against Houston last week, they went to overtime against Houston, I believe. And they put up a lot of points in that game. The Houston Rockets, I'm sorry, not the Houston Rockets, the Dallas Mavericks, they score a lot of points. And mostly it's because of Luka Doncic. He positions himself to help his teammates get into the offense and they get easy shots because Luka is so great at being able to score the basketball. And he's great at getting into the, the middle of the defense to where you have open shooters on the outside, like Curry, like Smith, like persingis I like this Mavericks team, Clarence. I really feel like if we're talking about the next five years, they're a team that we need to start discussing in that yeah. championship conversation for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with you right there, man. That was a great response to what you said. But this guy, Luca is is a, he's on a whole different planet, man. And if you ask me, he probably is one of the best players that's under 25, like, right now, as we're speaking right now. Like, what, what he brings to table, I can't see it in no other star, man. And that is something that you would love to get out of a player that can pass, score, and rebound. Like, yeah. that, that is ridiculous. Like, that right there is an amazing stat. And believe it or not, like, he, you know, he, he watched LeBron watch come up. He watched LeBron growing up he see how LeBron carried his whole team. And this is what Luka is actually doing. He's carrying his team as being the lead leader in every category that is, that's in basketball. Life. And yes. this, guy right, this guy right here is the truth, Trey. Right? I ain't going to lie. And, this, and, and to this, be honest, to, to be honest, Clarence, these young players that we talk about is Zion, Morant, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Siakam. You know, these players that we talking about, Trey Young, as great as they are, they aren't in the MVP conversation. Like Luca yeah. is a legitimate MVP candidate. We got yeah. we got LeBron with the Lakers, we got Giannis with the Bucks, we got Harden with the Rockets. I would say Luca is a top five NBA MVP candidate. I also think Chris yeah. Paul deserves some MVP consideration as well for what he's been able to do with the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I would say Luca deserves to be in that top five MVP conversation. Look seriously, if you take Luca off this team. They're a borderline playoff team. They might not even make the playoffs. With, with Luca, yeah. they're a legitimate contender, and I think they're going to make it tough on the Clippers. They ain't going to beat the Clippers, but Luca by himself can get you a game. Therefore, you might be able to get two out of the Clippers, depending on how serious they take the Mavericks, but we'll see what happens. But let's move on to the next question of this segment. This <laughs> question is for you. Are you still confident the Bucks can win the East? <sighs> Look, man, I'm gonna just be, keep it 100 with you, man. You know, I play, you know how people be saying, "Oh, this team locked in for this number one, number two seed." But the teams that the team that actually beat them or is beating them in the game, they find ways to beat them in the playoff. So when I look at if, like when I see Giannis and them as losing, like before we got on the show, they was losing to the Toronto Raptors. They found something in the in the previous game. And they using that to their full advantage to beat this Bucks team. But I ain't gonna hold you. I am a little nervous for the Bucks because at the end of the day, you you need to shoot the ball in the playoff to in advance into the next round. That's what you need. And I am a lot of I am concerned. Yes, I'm concerned on the Bucks still winning the winning the uh the Eastern Conference. I am concerned because you see these other teams rising from the occasion. They are playing better. You got the un- unknowns playing better. like TJ Warren. You even got the young bucks playing in Miami and Sixers. They're they're done. they I think their they their their problems is, is holding them up. And this Raptors team, they're they're, they're balling. The Celtics. I can't forget about the Celtics. So I'm very concerned about this. Even though I still got the win of the the Eastern Conference, but I'm a little concerned about like who they go play up against in this playoffs, Trey. Right? I really am. I really am, man. Now you're concerned. I've been telling you I don't think the Bucs are gonna well, be in the finals. Yeah. I mean, even though they lock in, they locked in the number one seed, they still got other games to play. And you gotta watch those games and to see like, oh, what's the Bucks' weakness? And is the other team go catch up, catch along with, with this weakness of their what they're showing? Like that plays a key part too, man. And I just think the Bucs, they have to get it together in order to, to be the top dog in the each of the conference yeah because when you look at the bench I, the, the, the Mavericks they had better bench production than the Milwaukee Bucks in this matchup so that, that matters you know you want to be able to have some production off your bench that way you can you know because Giannis is going to play some extended minutes in the playoffs Middleton will off, will as well but you want to have some production off the bench when you got to sit Giannis and Middleton for a few minutes in a playoff game like Ia and and, and, and and Williams and and George Hill and Kyle Corver, they're going to be expected to give you some type of production for the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, Kyle Corver is a knockdown shooter. George Hill, you know, he he can, he can he can run the point guard for your team. And, you know, he, he can be a facilitator. So you're going to need some production from your bench as you're the Milwaukee Bucks. I already told you, I don't think the Bucks are going to win the East. I don't. I think there's multiple teams in the East that can beat the Bucks in a playoff series. The Boston Celtics, I believe, they can beat the the Milwaukee Bucks in a playoff series. You know why? Because they got four players that can create a shot off the dribble and Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. I love the Boston Celtics as a team. And the other night, they sent the message to the rest of the NBA when they blew out the Toronto Raptors by 40. They beat them by – it might not be 40. I might have been hyped. It, it, was, it was close. It was close. But they sent the message to the rest of the league. We are ready for the playoffs and we are coming and they got studs on their team and they're young. And also, I love Brad Stevens as a coach. One of the best coaches we have in the NBA. If Kimber Walker can play at a high level, come playoff time, watch out for the Celtics, the Miami heat last week, although they lost that game to the bucks clearance at one point in that game, they were up 23 on Yon- 24, 23, 24. Yeah, they were up. They were up a, yeah, a, a, a large margin. At one point, you got to look out for the Miami Heat because the Miami Heat, they have shooters. They have shooters. Duff Robinson be shooting the lights out with the basketball. You got a pit bull and Jimmy Butler coming at you the entire game. And I like Bale out of Bayou as well down in that low post and a nice defensive threat for the Miami Heat. And we all know Coach Sposter is a great coach in the NBA. Yes, I said great. And I don't throw that word around too often, but he wouldn't be the coach for the Miami Heat still If Pat Riley didn't have the confidence in him to be able to coach a team deep in the playoffs. So watch out for the Miami heat. And then also in the East, you got to look out for the Toronto Raptors. We still think Toronto is a team that got to be reckoned with. They are the reigning NBA champions and they have a great coach in Nick nurse. They got veterans like Serge Ibaka and, and Gasol on their team that knows what the playoffs are all about. You got an up and coming star in Siakam and a point guard in Kyle Lowry that can hit some timely, Big shots for your team. So I think there are at least three teams in the East that can knock off the Bucks. That's the Miami Heat, that's the Boston Celtics, and that's the Toronto Raptors. I would have said the Philadelphia 76ers, but they're done now that Joel B and Ben Simmons are out. Yeah. Now you agree with me now that the, the Sixers are done. But but definitely we got to move on, man. So let's transition to back to the NFL, Mr. Larquez, as we get into this Dallas Cowboys uh topic. You know, Amari Cooper, he stated that the the Dallas Cowboys' expectation is to have three wide receivers with at least 1,000 yards. The last time that a team that had three receivers with 1,000 yards was the 2008 Arizona Cardinals, with Larry Fitzgerald and Quan Bowen and Steve Breston both all had 1,000 yards. And believe it or not, Fitzgerald had the most with 1,400, Bowden had 1,100, and Breston just got to 1,000 yards. And I think it's impressive. Are you buying in what Amari Cooper's selling? No, I'm not buying what Amari Cooper's trying to sell. And I don't think Amari Cooper should want his team to have three 1,000-yard receivers. And here's the reason why. I believe if you got three 1,000-yard receivers on your team, that means you're trailing a lot in football games. That means that Prescott is going to be dropping back to pass 25, 30, 35 times a game. And that's a recipe for disaster for your Dallas Cowboys, Amari Cooper. I think this team, in order for this team to get back to where they want to get back to, and that's the playoffs, and back at the top of the NFC East, you have to hand the football off to Ezekiel Elliott. Last year, Zeke had 301 carries, 1,357 rushing yards. Just, I think he had just 12, 12 rushing touchdowns, which wasn't great, but I think last year Zeke had a down wasn't year. was great. No, you think that's not great? That's not for good. twelve touchdowns. Twelve this touchdowns. I, I think it's, that's solid right there. I'm, it wasn't. It's not. It's, it's okay. I think I can. I expect Zeke to have at least fifteen. He has that kind of capability. He has that kind of capability. But that's what I want to say. Last year, most people think that was a down year for Zeke. They said it was a down year. Zeke didn't produce like he has in previous years. So I believe if the Cowboys want to get back to their ultimate goal, get back to the playoffs, make some noise, and win the division, you have to hand the football off to Zeke Elliott. I think is Amari uh, Cooper really, really needs to be careful about what he's wishing for. Because if he ha- if the Cowboys have three receivers over 1,000 yards, I don't think that's the recipe necessarily for wins for this team. I think this team is built to run the football, and that's where your bread and butter is going to be if you're a Cowboys fan or if you're a Cowboys member on that team. Okay, I like that response. But let, me, let me tell you this. The last, like, I think it's possible, but then it's not. But, but anything is possible in the NFL. I mean, I mean, the last three trio that at least had 900 yards was the 2019 L.A. Chargers. That was with Mike Williams and Kena Allen and Alex Eckler. Eckler had, well, Eckler had 900, 900 receiving, almost 1,000 yards right there. And both of the receivers had a thousand yards right then and there. But I think this type of expectation is something exciting because you got a new head coach, an offensive manager coach, and Mike McCarthy. They can, yeah. you know, that can shift things up, utilize every player on his team. And I think it's this. This is a, probably a high expectation. I will say this is probably like a high expectation because when you expect, when you want three, look, three receivers with one K, you. I, I in my opinion, I honestly get. I see two players on that out of that three with a one one thousand yard season, and I see Amari Cooper and Ceedee Lamb, Michael Gallup. You, I, I seen some signs from him, but I think that he still needs to be worked, need to get that like, get more worked on. But this expectation should make this team even better because believe it or not, they they're probably the most talented team in the NFL. Like to be honest, that team is full of full of loaded players like. Great players on that team, the offense side and defense. They were they're balanced, and I think yeah. with this expectation, it should make them even better. Hell, they should win the NFC East in the next three years. Yeah, certainly. I I, I completely agree with you. And then when you look at when you look at his production, I, you're right. I think 12 touchdowns. It wasn't bad for Ezekiel last year. Yeah, it 20, wasn't, it wasn't. 2016, he had 15 touchdowns. That's why I said. I expect Zeke to at least rush for 15 touchdowns because he has that kind of capability. You agree with that, right? Yeah, I agree I agree with that. i yeah. like, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, yeah. so yeah, so he had 15 touchdowns in 2016, 2017 he only had seven touchdowns, 2018 he only had six, last year he had 12. So that that's, was was this, this last year was his, you know, second most rushing touchdowns of his career so far. So I agree with you. Twelve wasn't necessarily bad, but I think he can get fifteen yeah. if he's having a, if he's having a great year. But overall, and think about it. And ben, think yeah. about it though. My bad, real quick. But think about it though. The more all these running backs probably only get over more than eleven touchdowns in the season. So I think this still good for him, even though he got a talented team around. Him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. And then, and then one thing about Zeke too, I want to see. And he did pretty he did pretty decent last year, but he had fifty four receptions out of the backfield. I want to see Ezekiel Elliott be a, a a reliable target for Dak Prescott to be able to throw the ball to the yes. flat, make some guys miss in the open field, and get some first downs for the Dallas Cowboys. So I think that I think Ezekiel Elliott honestly is an underrated pass catcher out of the backfield. He doesn't he doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield like Christian McCaffrey. You you, you know he doesn't do that. Alvin Kamara, yeah. Alvin yeah. Camara, but he but he but he's capable of doing it. He's capable of doing it. So I want to see more of that from Ezekiel Elliott. And this Dallas Cowboys offense. Let me ask you another question on this topic before we move on. Do you, believe, do you believe that Mike McCarthy believes in Dak Prescott? Oh, that's a tough question right there. I mean, I ain't seen no articles that he wouldn't believe in. He just, want, he just want him to play and perform. But I think Mike McCarthy does believe in Dak Prescott because he sees the confidence in Prescott – that he probably haven't seen in any other quarterback. He might think different of Dak Prescott. I mean, believe it or not, I think him and Dak Prescott, they're gonna fit right well together because they both want to win. They both want to change the culture in, in the Cowboys organization. They want to bring the playoffs and the Lombardi trophy back to Dallas. Life. So Mike McCarthy already gives them that, that winning mentality in Dallas because he's a winner, a winning coach in himself. And he wants to come in Dallas to help Prescott and them turn them to winners. But I think he, I think he's getting real comfortable with them because he knows the team is balanced enough to win, to win the next couple of years. And I think when when Dak Prescott honestly can get their contract, his contract ever even fixed up or situated done, then they they gonna make magic in a few years. Yeah, I disagree. I don't believe that Mike <laughs> McCarthy believes in Dak Prescott. Because you got to think about it, Clarence. Mike McCarthy, in his career, he's coached legendary quarterbacks in Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And now he's downgraded to Dak Prescott. Although last year, Dak Prescott had a good year according to his standards. 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, had close to 5,000 passing yards, completed 65% of his passes. He had a good year last year. But like I told you on previous shows, a lot of those statistical numbers that Dak Prescott was putting up, they were when the Dallas Cowboys were trailing on the scoreboard. Therefore, teams were in prevent defense, and they let the Cowboys gain yardage and put up points on the board late in games. So I think that can be misleading. You know, looking at the statistical numbers. Isn't left. that bad? Isn't that like bad calling on the defensive side, playing the prevent and letting them? If you're already up, if you, listen, last year at one point, my Packers was up 31-3 to on the Cowboys. we already up 28 points. <laughs> we <don't>, we <laughs> play for, at this point, we can play a little bit of prevent defense. So that's why I said last year, that statistical season, although it was good on his standards, it could be misleading. I don't think Mike McCarthy believes in Dak Prescott because I don't think Mike McCarthy was even in Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones' office campaigning for them to come up, come up with a deal with Dak Prescott. He's had Aaron Rodgers. He's had Brett Favre. He has a high standard of quarterback play that he's accustomed to see. <laughs> I don't think he believes Dak Prescott is that dude. Me personally, I'm not saying Dak Prescott's a scrub. I don't think Mike McCarthy thinks he's a scrub. I'm just looking at the quarterbacks that he's coached previously and comparing them to Dak Prescott, and it's a downgrade. It's like it's, a, it's just the way it it's is. a downgrade. Are you kidding me? Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, and Dak Prescott? Significant drop-off. Significant. This ain't Carson Wentz. This ain't Carson Wentz. Like, come on now. But think about it, though. This is – he's walking into an organization that's balanced out on the team, man. So, I'm going to, it's going to be a lot of good changes in the Dallas organization. Because, one, they got a women's coach, and they got a good team around them. I think them two coming together – they gonna be a good team in the NFL. I might be one of the best team in the NFL if everything clicks together, man. I'm, so I'm taking a bet. Off. So, so, so let me let me let me explain something to you real quick before we move on to the next topic. Right. Whenever you are a coach and you get the job and you 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 accept the job and you have a star player, you are supposed to call your star player ASAP and have a conversation with him. If if let's just say if, if the Kansas City Chiefs, if Andy Reid decided he wanted to retire. Let's say he decided he wanted to retire and he wanted to move on to, to different things in his life and he didn't want to coach the NFL anymore. Whatever coach that you bring in for the Kansas City Chiefs, guess who the first person in the organization who they're going to call? Patrick Mahomes. If you take any job, if you have a star quarterback or a quarterback that's relevant that you believe is that dude, you're going to call that quarterback if the if 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 Bill O'Brien gets fired by the Houston Texans and they bring in a new coach. Guess who the first person is going to get called by? Guess who the first person is going to get that call from that new coach? Guess who's going to be? Deshaun Watson. When you take over the Seattle Seahawks if if Pete Carroll decides to retire, the coach is calling Russell Wilson first. I haven't gotten any reports or seen anything to where Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott has had an extended conversation. Therefore, me personally, I don't believe Mike McCarthy believes in Dak Prescott as being the guy that could get the Cowboys back to the Super Bowl. You know, time would tell, man, time would tell. And I'm looking at their roster right now, their first game at the LA round. So that's gonna, be, that's gonna be a test right there on the road early to see can, can how he can handle adversity with, with Dak Prescott. So that's gonna be something to watch, Trey. That's gonna be something to watch, right? real quick, man. But hey, we gotta move on, man. We gotta move on. So we're moving, we're moving on in Philly. So you know, earlier in the game yesterday, Joel Embiid he suffered from a left ankle injury earlier in the game. Played six minutes in the game, and it was a devastating loss. And before the Ben Simmons had a knee problem. You know, he just had the surgery today, and he's he's. You'll hear some evaluation in the next two weeks. But I want to ask you this. Like, is this the last, is this the last time that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid ever go play with each other? Yes. I think the the Philadelphia 76ers need to break up this duo between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. For whatever reason, Clarence, it just isn't working out. And we always, every single week, me and you talk about it, we talk about it just amongst ourselves, texting or on the phone or via Facebook Messenger, we always talk about the Sixers, all this talent that the Sixers have. And I think one of the mistakes that the Sixers made was letting Jimmy Butler walk out that door and take his talents to South Beach. I think Jimmy Butler kept that team together Mm -hmm. and was by far the leader on that Philadelphia 76ers team. Mm -hmm. When I look at Ben Simmons, he he deals with the Kardashians. So sometimes I think Ben Simmons in the offseason is a little bit distracted. That's why he hasn't been able to have a consistent jump shot on display on the floor. I think he's a little bit distracted. Clarence, we've seen multiple, you know, celebrities deal with the Kardashians, and they're a little bit distracted. My man Lamar Odom, shout out to Lamar, won a championship with the Lakers back in the day. He was with Khloe Kardashian. He was distracted as well off the floor. Won't get into it, but I love my man Lamar. So when you deal with the with the Kardashians, you are distracted. Then when I get to Jordan B, I love Jordan B. I think Jordan B is the best big man in the game when he is playing at an elite level and taking the game serious. But that last part, from what I just said, is the most important part. Sometimes I think Joel Embiid doesn't take the game very serious, Clarence. Sometimes I think he's out of shape, and he can't get up and down the basketball court at a fast pace. I agree. And that's my biggest issue that I have with Joel Embiid. He has the talent, and he has the upside to be a top five player in the NBA. But sometimes I question whether or not he is taking it very serious. I remember last year after Kawhi hit that dagger, three-point shot that sent Joel B and the Sixers home, I saw Joel Embiid crying in the tunnel. <laughs> Even though people were making fun of him for crying, Clarence, that was a moment that I thought, all right, at least he's taking it a little bit serious, though. He's taking losing hard. But overall, <laughs> I think Ben Simmons and Joel B they're a duo, in my opinion. They don't necessarily play well together. And also, when you look at the coach and Brett Brown, I don't like Brett Brown as a coach with the Sixers. If you're going to make a change, you have to either break up Joel B and Ben Simmons, or you have to make a coaching change. Because I don't think Brett Brown is the kind of coach that can lead the Sixers to an NBA championship. So I think you have to make a move in some kind of capacity. You have to make a move. Yeah, yeah, definitely, you got to make a move, man. I've been hearing a lot of recent like sources that the Cleveland Cavaliers are are make are building a package deal to land Ben Simmons this fall on the Cleveland Cavaliers roster, which I think that might get some buzz around the NBA. And I and honestly, these two they haven't been working. It hasn't been working out. These have these these players are to be the probably the best duo in the nba in the eastern conference they supposed to own the eastern conference right right then and there but it was lack of health lack of chemistry and lack of coaching man And i think that plays a part in that organization why they're not successful man i don't think them three right there i just named all the reasons why they're not a successful organization and possibility they're that they, this might be their last game playing with each other i do agree i think this might be their last game playing with each other because Something has to change if they want to start winning. You have to yeah. look who's more valuable: Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. I think. And, that, that, and that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you that real quick before we move. Before we move on, if you had yeah. to choose which player to build your team around, would it be Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid? I think. I think it, I, I'm building around Joel Embiid because one, he's the most dominant center in, in, in the NBA right now, and two, he does have more upside. And wait a three, minute. Wait a minute. You said Jokic was better than Embiid. Well, I'm saying I said one of the best, one of the best centers in the league. You said he the best. Well, I said one of the best. He's one of the best centers in the league. I give. Joe Embiid be better than Jokic, but, but carry on. That's a that's a that's another topic for another day. But yeah. but I'm just being honest. Like I'm being honest. He has the more upside, and Ben Simmons is another thing. He shoots the three better than Ben Simmons. He shoots the three yeah. ball better than Ben Simmons. Like. And for Ben Simmons, like he's dominant without a three ball, he really is. He can facilitate, score, play defense. I honestly thought he was—he he, was—he was a reigning—he was coming up for defensive player of the year, but he got injured. And but me, he's more dominant. He's more dominant, like because you get more out of him, and you—you you can necessarily find pieces around him to correlate with his style of play. And for him, he wants the ball in his hand. He wants the ball in his hand in big time. I believe he should have the ball in his hand big time because you is the process. We trust the process. we waited for this process for a long time. And I think at this moment, he needs to be showing that why he is the process. But unfortunately, he goes down with a right ankle injury. So we probably won't be able to see that until next season. But I, I truly believe that he's more valuable than... Ben Simmons, because the simple fact being like, he brings more, he has more upside and he suits the ball more better than Ben Simmons. I, I, he might as well say he's more reliable on the three ball more than Ben Simmons. Yeah, I agree with you. If I had to pick one of these two players to build around, I'm building around Joel Embiid. I think when we look at Joel Embiid's career, he's averaged 24 points per game, 48 percentage from the field. You know what I mean? Like he has what three assists on his career? Not great, but I think he's a nice passing big man. He'll get better and improve on that part of his game. Mm-hmm. So that's also some of that's also coaching. I would expect Brent Brown to demand Joel Embiid to get his big butt down there in the post, get more in shape, and stop going out on the perimeter so much. See, see, it's so funny. We talk about the Sixers. What we want from Ben Simmons, we get from Joel Embiid. I think yeah. Joel Embiid. I don't think Jordan B should be shooting as many threes as he shoots. Clarence, I think Jordan B should be in the paint and putting up buckets and dominating down in the low post. And Ben Simmons, it ain't even the fact that he doesn't hit perimeter shots; he doesn't even attempt perimeter shots. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just amazing how this team has under- not even mid ranges, not, not even mid ranges. But real quick, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later on in the week. But before we get out of here, Clarence, everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter, Wise Guys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And that's Wise Guys Instagram with These Guys No Sports. Wednesday show, we have a special guest appearance from Kelsey Nicole Nelson. She's an award-winning Woo! host, reporter from Fox Sports. She's done work with the Big East. She's done work in, in DMV Sports Media Person of the Year. She's won multiple awards. So we're excited to have her on the show on Wednesday as a guest, Clarence.
1: I'm definitely excited for Miss Miss Nelson to get on the show, man.
0: Oh, it's Friday. Oh, never mind. Sorry, guys. It's Friday. Oh, it's Friday. On. Okay, it's Friday. Oh, you're lucky, fans. And all uh, my viewers, y'all lucky, man. We'll see y'all Wednesday night. Have a good one. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.